0: It's 4.20 a.m. Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Stoned Witches Hour with Shell and Layla. Grab your stash, get some munchies, and maybe turn on a few extra lights. Listen in as we smoke lots of ganja and tell truish tales of restless souls, ghoulish crimes, and the dangers of bad cuisine. (coughs) Excuse me. Coughing it off. (laughs) One am I not coughing? (laughs) Good gracious
1: smoke another one that'll fix it always does it really does what are you smoking today anything good i'm still smoking the same
0: homegrown shit one of the things i love about growing my own is we have this um keef box that we put we put just put pot in you know it has a screen in the bottom and then you open the bottom and there's a a tray like a plate collects all the keef that falls through so sometimes my lovely husband will pack me bongs and then pack the top of it with just like a ton of cover (laughs) it over yeah covered over is so nice and then it has a a dab of a dab in the middle so it's very pretty (laughs) he's he gets very artistic with his bowls it's impressive yeah right now it's either bruce banner or uh, blueberry jack hair or if we have decided to do a little delivery this is i gotta flip it around it's bubble kush
1: bubble kush yeah it's empty (laughs) because we smoked it all I actually, I actually got this stuff for Christmas. It's like purple, purple something. You got pot for Christmas? I did. (laughs) All I remember about the name is it's purple. I don't know. It's good. I'm high. That's all that matters.
0: Hey, that's all that counts right now. And to to be honest, I, I have to say, Shell, I'm smoking more than I usually do.
1: Why? Stress, man. Not to be the downer of downers, but I don't see this year being any more productive than the last two. I
0: really wanted to ring in 2022 and be very hopeful. Well, I did that the last couple of years and it hasn't worked. So I figure I'll be pessimistic this year and maybe that'll change things. Reverse psychology. There you go. We'll scare the year or something. I didn't get any pot for Christmas. Lucky girl.
1: Nobody Um, loves you. I'm teasing.
0: I did get wax for New Year's. So we did Ooh. get, yeah, it was pretty good. We got that Bubba Kush and Runts. The other one was Runts. Nice little
1: cost. Huh. I took some Christmas money I got and I made a purchase. The Disney Villains Tarot.
0: That's awesome. I want a villains tarot deck. That's amazing.
1: I bet it's gorgeous. Very cool. Very cool. Like they, they dug deep for some of these villains and it's super cool.
0: Nice. I love that. It's awesome. I love it. We're going to have to do an episode where you go through your tarot decks and I just drool and fawn over them.
1: I probably, you know, I'm probably like getting to the point where I could probably contact Guinness and be like, hey, as far as personal collections go, what are we looking at? (laughs) Well, I happened to notice last night that um, the Golden Girls tarot almost tripled in price. Oh, I bet. I bet. I heard a thing and I
0: kind of, I choose to believe it. Basically said Betty White sacrificed herself. She took 2021 down by the throat and threw them into the fires of Mordor together so that we could have a better 2022
1: she was like who's that christian guy saint michael or something oh did he slay demons or something yeah he like killed the devil man oh right he did that in the exorcist yeah so betty white is like that saint michael guy oh or you know she's like gollum <laughs> yeah either way she's a hero slaying demons Remember when you used to have that steamroller that we'd smoke out of? Is that the one I called token? JR Token? Yes. 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 That, pr- that thing's probably been long broken.
0: It has, <laughs> sadly. For such a shittily made pipe, it was beautiful. It was such thin glass, but it was absolutely gorgeous. Pretty, pretty pipe. I miss it. Yeah, well, it looked like a big Gandalf pipe. It was it was like different shades of blue and white and it kind of curled and came down. It had like a big fat bottom on it. And it was just really neat looking.
1: JR Token, I remember that. That was a good one. It was a good one. You seem to always kind of keep up with the, we'll call it latest smoking technology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only since moving here. And
1: yeah, I do love to. I kind of still stick to my little pipe and I still like mass pack it.
0: You have only lived in a legal state for less than a year now, um, like eighteen months. Yeah, okay, so you've been in, in a legal state. Okay, so you have no excuse. You <laughs> you're just you're just an old school stoner.
1: I, I I'm just an old school stoner who just likes my pipe, and I just jam it full with a big fat bud. And
0: you know, when it comes down to it, I am a flower girl all the way. Give me a bong or a pipe and some flower, and I mean, I grow my own for that very reason. I like to have jars and
1: jars of flour. I have progressed. We got we to gotta give credit because I have progressed. Because if you recall, what was it, maybe 20 years or so ago, I was uh, like, oh, we can smoke. Just pack it off not do that anymore. So I'm making steps in the right direction. <laughs> yeah,
0: we are long past the days when <laughs> you would call me a pot snob uh-huh. simply because I wouldn't smoke SEMS and seeds. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well... I I've I've upgraded, I've matured to the fact where I no longer smoke stems and seeds anymore. But when I was like 20, 25 years old, pack it all in, man. Light that shit up. Well, we've smoked so much crap. I think we've
0: done we've paid our dues. It's time to smoke the good flower. You know, that's why <laughs> that's why I started growing was I was so tired of what we were getting in New York was you know, that crappy brick weed and dirt weed, like you said, it had actual dirt in it. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's all well and good, but I, I like the good stuff now. And I think being here in California with access to so many different things. And honestly, there was a time just last year and the beginning of this year where I had such bad fibroid pain that if I didn't have dabs and CBD dabs, I don't think I would have gotten through it. I mean, it really helped nothing else. I was taking so much ibuprofen. It was making me sick and being able to dab high concentrate THC along with some high CBD really took the pain down to a manageable level when I was hurting myself with what the hospital was telling me to take. So yeah. (laughs) But recreationally too, above and beyond medical reasons, it's awesome. I I like all the different opportunities, all the different things available.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to like call a friend who calls a friend who calls a friend and wait six hours. You know, you just get in the car, you go to the store, you're done. Order online. done. Better
0: yet. I text my guy and he shows up at my door between a half an hour and two hours later. And I love it. Love it.
1: You should have seen me. The first few times I was able to go to like the actual store and buy it, I'd come out and I'd be like, I used my debit card and I have a receipt. I have a receipt for weed. Oh, my God. The first few times I went in, it, I couldn't help
0: it. I, I probably looked like a little kid going to like the fair for the first time. And then when I found I could get it delivered to my house, how awesome is that?
1: They're starting to work on that here, the delivery.
0: I think New York is talking about having that as well. And, and honestly, yep. for patients who need it, it's excellent. And for people who are lazy like me, it's awesome. I would give a shout out. I got to ask them, be like, hey, I will shout you out if you give me some pre-rolls, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a couple. Just a
1: couple. Just a couple. I'm just glad you guys aren't all using like blow torches. Yeah,
0: I, we don't have any dab stuff right now. We just have that little blow torch anyway. Delivery guy didn't come. <laughs> no, we just haven't gotten any. You guys are coming out, right? You coming yes. out? You coming out? You coming yes. out? Okay. Yes. Unless we're all like on fucking lockdown again, right? I forget what my fucking point was. My husband's plying me with weed and now I forgot. <laughs>
1: Just just smoke that bong and it'll all smoke work out. One. Smoke yeah. another one.
0: I'm going to smoke this absolutely gorgeous looking bowl that my sweetheart just passed me because I know you're going to tell me a true story about an asylum, someplace that I know well, upstate New York. Which is why you should go there. You know, next time I come out to New York, you should come out too, and we should go visit a couple of these places together because there's a bunch of them in that area, not too far. We could spend a week and we could go Airbnb hopping from haunted place to haunted place. (laughs) That would be awesome. All right, well, it's a date for next year.
1: So we're going to talk about the Rolling Hills Asylum in Bethany, New York. It, it's it's an a interesting place kind of nestled in rural Western New York. If you're familiar with New York, it's between like the Rochester Buffalo area. Um, and ironically enough, it's near Attica, uh, different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another time. Right, right. But when I looked it up um, on the map, actually, I want to say Rolling Hills is only about maybe a 20-minute drive from Attica. So it's actually right, like, kind of in that neighborhood.
0: So it's already nearby some interesting energy.
1: Now, before becoming infamously known as the Rolling Hills Asylum, a lot of these places were called poorhouses or institutions. It was already documented to be a hotbed of paranormal activity. This place was apparently kind of paranormally before it was considered rolling hills asylum this was actually like i said it was a the, the county poor farm and they affectionately referred to it as the old country home how do you affectionately refer to an asylum like who I, that, does that
0: that's ridiculous the old country home they like oh Yeah, we sent crazy Uncle Joe to the old country home. Is that like sending your dog to the farm upstate?
1: Well, it's better than saying I sent Uncle Joe to the Rolling Hills Asylum, I guess. I suppose if you need a
0: euphemism, it's the better way to say it around the Thanksgiving table.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, the poor houses, you know, they house orphaned children, um, the destitute elderly, physically handicapped, mentally unstable, morally corrupt. Really? Because that would be like all of New York State. Oh, anyway. I'm
0: sure their definition of morally corrupt probably fluctuated with what worked best for them and their mistress.
1: Right. And, and they were situated in, land. you know, part of the draw to Western New York was it was very farmy back then. Still is kind of farmy, to be honest with you. So they had farms there, which able-bodied residents were required to work. So, you know, they had.
0: Oh, so they were keeping slave labor alive by putting quote unquote undesirables into the reformatory.
1: Correct. So if you were an orphan or you were if you were mentally unstable or morally corrupt, you had to work for your for your pay. And you know, back then they were they were relying on this. This was like a self-sufficient poorhouse. You know, they would slaughter their own their own animals for meat, they'd grow their own vegetables, they would have cows to milk for dairy. This was a totally self-sufficient city within a city. But yeah, like kind of slave labor ish.
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. I mean, it 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 sounds like they very much took advantage of these people, especially because I mean, morally corrupt. I mean, really? That covers so much ground.
1: They they actually put an, an article in the newspaper in 1828. Listen to how nuts this is. So they put an article in the newspaper and they're like, hey, you know, they would they would assist what they called the paupers. Of the oh, county,
0: so poor people, paupers, you yeah. know, people, people yeah, know who, yeah,
1: and they would give them, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and, and things of that nature. But when they put this article in the newspaper, they said the following were eligible for assistance. You're going to love this list: okay. <laughs> habitual drunkards, lunatics, one who by disease, grief, or accident lost the reason, or from old age, sickness, or weakness that was so weak of mind to be incapable of managing or governing their own affairs. So you could be sad
0: and be sent there? Yeah. be sad?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you had no income, if you were blind, lame, old, or disabled, or a vagrant.
0: You could be like, hey, I can't stand my mother-in-law. Let's put her in the pauper house.
1: Yeah, he's so old. Just, just imagine the the types of people that were all thrown into this. Not you that know? I want to
0: put my mother in law in the in the pauper house. I just want to put that out there right now. <laughs> Hi, Leslie. I love you. <laughs> out
1: of the poorhouse. It was definitely for folks that were criminally minded, and if they couldn't keep you in jail, you'd go to one of these types of places. So just imagine. Um, the type of of people going through the doors here, all types you know, of
0: people. It sounds like you know anyone from poor people, crazy people, to people who had too much grief, people who had who went lame or went blind or got a little too right. old,
1: but they were able because they were able to to have this you know self sufficient working farm in woods because it was about two hundred acres. I mean, we're talking a big chunk of property. Um, I yes, and they
0: loved the whole. Work will, you know, make you better, have a good work ethic, and you'll get healthy.
1: They were able to knock it down by making everybody work for everything. It only costs the state a dollar a week per resident. That's a whole dollar.
0: A dollar a week per resident. Yep. Because they were able to work them.
1: And here's the worst part: the residents were referred to as inmates. So they were were trapped. No matter why they were housed there, they were considered and and they were referred to as inmates. Talk about taking people's
0: rights away. I mean, they completely stripped those people of all their rights and of all autonomy.
1: Basically, the minute you walked through the doors, you were signing your life away and you pretty much, it took an act of God to get out. Once you were in, you were kind of (laughs) in. We'd be in so much trouble, Shell, the amount of weed we smoked. They'd be like, oh yeah, they're deranged.
0: Let's put them in the institution.
1: Here's where the sadness kind of starts. And this is probably where some of these hauntings kind of settle in to this place. Now, now you can imagine, obviously, with orphans and some elderly folks and, you know, in the times, you know, people didn't live long back then. There were people that were at this place that had no family. So the county would bury the people who had no family. There are records that indicate that there was a cemetery located on the property And there was at least over 2,000 documented burials. Guess what? Cemetery, poof, gone. Documentation, poof, gone. So instead of looking for the cemetery, they just built over it. Wait, you're telling me that there was a
0: thousand person cemetery that they deemed so unimportant that the paperwork just poofed away along with any evidence of the cemetery so that they could build over it is this like the, what's they that can- movie what was that movie with the little girl and and they're here poltergeist that sounds real poltergeist, no poltergeist. Yeah. so they like took away the headstones and built over it it didn't yeah. end well in
1: poltergeist i imagine it didn't
0: end well here
1: so you know as the as the The stones from the, you know, the gravestones started crumpling away and the grass grew over it. And they're like, oh, they're just
0: poppers and crazy people and sad old ladies.
1: We're just going to like build over it. Who cares? But the horrible thing is, you know what? You know what? One of the, the government officials were quoted as saying in like 1872, he said, no one is around to care for those. And they've been long forgotten. Oh, that is so sad. So actually there is a movement going on. It's been going on for the last 10 or 15 years. There are folks that are trying to use, what's that ground sonar equipment to actually try to find the cemetery um, and map it out because, you know, everybody deserves to be remembered. They do. I wonder if that would put some of the restless ghosts, I mean, to rest
0: some of these spirits that are wandering the halls. I wonder if it would, if it would put some of those poor souls to rest.
1: Well, in 2004, the the Genesee County uh, Parks and Recreations did end up putting up a little fenced area with five headstones, five headstones. I'd be angry and pissed off if I was forgotten like that, too. And what are the odds that they're
0: going to find the records of these? I mean, that's that's a thousand people that they tried to destroy the records of. It's going to be painstaking, probably. No wonder there's so many
1: restless souls wandering those halls. These people, some of these people were buried between 1827 and 1888. We're talking a hundred years too late. So you got to figure, some of these ghosts are just sad and pissed off. According to the current Genesee County historian, um, the actual cemetery register and the plot map is yet to be discovered. So you have all of these all of these spirits, you know, women, children, uh, men, elderly, disabled, mentally insane, nope, you know, drunks, these people were treated like shit and then they were just dumped and forgotten.
0: That's got to be unnerving for anybody. How many ghosts are rumored to be there?
1: I have actually found, believe it or not, I have found hundreds of stories Now, there was a story about a man named Frank. Frank didn't apparently have a last name. Uh, Not a lot of people had last names, I'm finding, at this place. It it, it was like prison, you know? This guy, Frank, he went in there as a habitual drunk. They kind of used it as like a sober house. But, you know, like I said, consider inmates. Once you're there, you don't leave. Frank sobered up, got his wits about him. And kind of over time realized, hey, I'm sober, but yeah, I'm still here. Frank tried to leave and he was actually chained to a bed. He was chained to this bed for three weeks until he basically knew he couldn't leave. Did they let him out to go to the bathroom? He was chained to a bed for three weeks.
0: Ew, that's so gross. I need more pot for this.
1: He actually jumped out a window and killed himself so How about a window when you're chained to a bed i after they let him go he was only chained to the bed for 3 weeks oh okay so after 3 weeks they're like hey you don't have once to he learned once life. he learned his lesson he needed to get out into the fields and earn his keep you know
0: so that was like punishment chained to a bed in like your own piss and shit for 3 weeks and then they're like hey now go work in the fields
1: asshole yeah and so he was like fuck this man and he, he killed himself so you've got people who had, men- had medical experiments done on them. You have people who maybe went in there for a mild issue or were fine to begin with, and the place drove them nuts. A lot of suicides there. A lot of people died from- during medical experiments. There were a-, a lot of elderly. If food was low in the wintertime, you got fed by age. So there were elderly that just died of starvation. I would imagine those are the folks that are haunting those halls, The ones that died of starvation, the ones that committed suicide, the ones that died from the medical experiments. Those are the people I believe are haunting the halls of the Rolling Hills Asylum.
0: I believe it. Well, I've got a nice fat pre-roll here, so go ahead and tell me a scary story.
1: Okay. So one of the tragic stories, and this one kind of stuck with me, was uh, involved a, we'll call him an inmate, um, named Roy Roy. And Roy suffered from giantism, but, you know, I, I guess they consider giantism a physical deformity. Like Andre the giant from the
0: princess bride, like Andre the giant.
1: Yes. Um, he had giantism as well. So, so just picture Andre the giant, you know, some of those protruding facial features, large hands and feet. The guy was like over seven feet tall. And you got to remember back in the early 1800s for someone to be almost seven feet tall, like that was nuts. Now, you know, every basketball player on the planet is seven feet tall, but back then it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a thing. Roy was the son of a prominent banker, but his physical appearance was an embarrassment to his family. So this poor child is born with giantism and because he's from a rich, influential family, they were embarrassed. So at age 12, age 12, this poor little boy was just dropped off at the at, at the rolling hills asylum and he was left there until he died when he was 62 why are families so cruel that is the meanest thing they how horrible
0: is that that poor little boy
1: because they were an influential family with a lot of money and they had an image to keep up with and he didn't fit that image so he had to go away that man was there from 12 to 62 he was there 50 years and he loved opera music and was generally, they said, a nice guy. He's there. He's still there. There are a lot of people who have seen his shadow and they know it's him because they say it's like this large hulking shadow that, that kind of lurks would that through. be. Yeah, who kind of lurks through the building, but there was a story that there was a, a group there of people. I don't know if it was like an organized paranormal investigation, but there were a group of people that are investigating. They happened to be kind of people on the more wealthy side. And actually Roy went after him and it, and it seemed like he didn't like people with money. He didn't wait, like influential wait. people. Wait, what do you mean? He went after them shall he, would touch them. Um, one lady said she felt like there were hands around her throat. No, no, yep. ghosts don't touch people. The, there was actually witnesses who said they saw black shadows around her throat. Oh, so, so he
0: is an angry, angry ghost, and he's attacking people like wealthy people.
1: He he attacks people who are considered influential, wealthy, prominent. It's almost like he's a friend of the poor hates the rich because obviously there's been lots of people who've done investigations in this place and they've never had a problem but people who seem to be of a higher wealth status get physically attacked by this ghost
0: so he's the asylum robin hood is that what you're telling me
1: apparently basically (laughs) he is so hurt that he got dumped because he was an embarrassment that it is ingrained in his soul and it is ingrained in the walls of that asylum. Rich people are bad. Rich people are hurtful. You're never good enough for rich people. They need to go. Wow.
0: he should also be against, you know, shitty parents that care more for their image than they do for their children.
1: But, you know, that kind of freaked me out because, like you said, ghosts don't usually touch people.
0: Yeah, that's like breaking a rule, I think. As soon as ghosts start touching you, that's it. I'm done. Get out. the fuck out.
1: <laughs> right. Sign.
0: You should not stay there. Once they start carving things on you or touching you, no, I'm done. I'm out. That's it.
1: But the reason the reason they kind of pin that on Roy is because, like I said, when when the girl thought that there were hands around her throat, the people that were with her saw this big imposing shadow and saw the shadow wrapped around her throat. How creepy. What would you do if you saw this big shadow of a human walk up to me and wrap itself around my throat? Wouldn't you shit yourself?
0: I would absolutely lose my mind and wonder what it was you had slipped into my bowl. But a shadow around her throat? Why? Yeah. That's
1: no. yeah, No, that's too much. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's stories of You know, you go into the medical room and you hear screams. Sometimes, actually, this Roy guy, when it's kind of peaceful there, and and I say peaceful, the place is abandoned. When all the ghosts are in a peaceful mood, I don't know if you remember, I said Roy liked opera music. People have heard, actually heard opera music echoing down the halls. Has anyone ever
0: tried playing opera music for him? Being in there with opera music playing?
1: Not that I've ever, uh, that I've come across, but I... I would think somebody would have done that to try to draw him out.
0: Wouldn't you try to do that to draw him out? Yeah, I'd try to do that to make him happy. I mean, nobody wants a ghost scarf around their neck.
1: Let me ask you this. Have you ever been a fan of American Horror Story, the TV show? I'm passingly familiar with it. American Horror Story is like this this FX TV thing. I've watched a few seasons of it. They had a season with Lady Gaga. I watched it. Season one, they did uh, about a murder house. But season two of of American Horror Story was called Asylum. Mm -hmm. And actually, FX and American Horror Story filmed season two Asylum at the Rolling Hills Asylum. No way. Yeah. And what they did, and this is so creepy, I wish I'd known about it at the time. So when they were getting ready to start filming season two of American Horror Story Asylum, They actually had fans get committed, quote unquote, committed overnight to Rolling Hills. And they actually did a five part web series for YouTube. (laughs) I have got to check that out. What happened to those fans
0: that were there overnight? Did did they experience anything?
1: Um, Actually, they did. And, And they were a lot of them said that they would never go back. They never wanted to go to anything like that again. Too freaked out. But you can actually see some of that on YouTube.
0: I am absolutely going to check that out. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I would definitely stay there. I would want to see what would happen. Did they capture anything when they were taping there on the show? Did they say if they caught any, you know, orbs or anything unusual?
1: Um, As far as the show goes, they just said that a lot of weird things happened on set. Didn't go into too much detail. Didn't really say much. They just said that a lot of weird things happened on set. Just interesting, you know, another interesting fact. But, you know, to talk about Roy again. People say that Roy was kind of a a, a pure soul, a very kind soul. And they they say that Roy is kind of like the keeper of the asylum, like, you know, kind of keeps all of the other like ghosties in check. (laughs) Like the gatekeeper. He like takes care of everybody. (laughs) Now, this is actually privately owned now by a lady named Sharon. I don't know Sharon's name, last name. I probably shouldn't say it if I did, but a lady named Sharon owns this property now. I don't want to say keeps it the way it is for paranormal purposes, but kind of keeps it the way it is for paranormal purposes. Like and you
0: go there and, and like rent it out and do, can you do like tours
1: there? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah.
0: That's freaking cool. I bet there's a lot of footage of people who have done paranormal tours there.
1: So, you know, this Sharon, the current owner, she had been walking through shortly after she had bought the property. She had come across just, you know, random. It was an abandoned building, a rat. And the rat made her scream. You know, if I saw a rat, I'd scream. Come on now.
0: I think they're kind of cute, but not in an asylum.
1: Yeah, not in an asylum. So she sees this rat. She screams and runs away. So you know how I said Roy was kind of the keeper of the gate? The very next day, she went in and found the rat dead on the stairs with blood oozing from its mouth like its neck had been broken. And above the rat was a giant bloody handprint that looked like a giant's hand. And and Sharon, the current owner, believes that Roy saw the rat scare her and saw her get scared and run, so he killed the rat for her. No fucking way. He
0: liked this lady, so he killed the rat for her and left a giant ham. Oh my fucking, no, 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 no. That is it's weak. like It was kind of like his way of saying, don't worry, Sharon, I got you. I guess if I have to, you know, anything, I'd rather be on the rat-killing side of Roy than on the throat-choking side of Roy.
1: Right, right. You know, Roy is a big presence there, even still. Um, there's actually, I found a lot of stories. I mean, not a lot of stories about Roy, because a lot of them were kind of of the same sentiment. But Roy, when, when if, if you look up this asylum, Rolling Hills Asylum, Roy is a prominent figure in a lot of these paranormal experiences people have had. And the reason they know it's Roy is either, you know, a seven foot tall shadow or a bloody handprint that's bigger than the average human's handprint. So, you know, they can definitely kind of pin it on Roy, but yeah, you know, he'll protect one person, but then be pissed off at the next. So you got to hit Roy on a good day.
0: (laughs) It's intriguing to me that a lot of these haunted places have multiple entities that are similar enough that people actually name them that they know who this entity is like everybody has experiences with this big hulking presence and so they know that that's roy because it's such a similar experience that everyone kind of has across the board and
1: well roy is kind of the gatekeeper he's the protector and also he's got sharon's back so we know he doesn't like wealthy people or people of stature. Yeah. But couldn't you see why? I mean, he got thrown Who can away?
0: blame him? I can't blame the guy. I mean, that poor kid, 50 years in an insane asylum, just because you looked a little bit bigger than everybody else. When nowadays yeah. he could be a movie star.
1: Or a WWE wrestler. Or both. So, you know, it, 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 it's really sad. And of course, there's a lot of stories of, of nurses. There was a nurse Emmy and, you know, every one of these asylum stories always has a bad, mean nurse involved. And she's kind of like, think of like the spiritual nemesis of Roy. So Roy's going around doing good. Emmy, not so much. Emmy was actually known for being absolutely cruel.
0: So if he's, if he's the Robin Hood of the asylum, she's the sheriff of Nottingham of the asylum?
1: Yeah, Basically.
0: So they're like, they're
1: fighting each other. They're like mortal enemies on the other world. Basically. So, you know, she was described as a power hungry and unkind woman. Now, here we go again. I, I you know, and I feel like everything always goes back to either Satan or Ouija boards.
0: Telling me this story goes back to a Ouija board too. Shell, I am sensing a pattern here.
1: Well, a little bit. Not necessarily a Ouija board, but close. She was feared by the inmates and the staff. Now, you know you're a bitch of a nurse if the staff is afraid of you. And of course, as you can imagine, she was even rumored to have performed satanic rituals and black magic on the residents. Like I said, everything either has to come back to, to Satan or Ouija boards. Of course, rumors are still circulating that Nurse Emmy still walks the halls And visitors can hear her cackle-like laugh. I have a cackle-like laugh.
0: What's what's wrong with with a cackle-like laugh? I know. I'm feeling like maybe she was typecast here. She was the boss. She had a cackle-like laugh. They said she was kind of a bitch, so.
1: Yeah, she was really not a nice lady. Did this nurse Emmy die on the property? She did. She was killed by a resident. So she was kind of hacked to death for being a bitch. And she's still there, roaming the halls and cracking the whip. So that's, I think, why Roy is still there, kind of keeping her in check.
0: I bet she probably scares the ghostly pants off of the other spirits there.
1: Well, there's another woman there named Hady, and there's a room called Hady's Room on the first floor of the East Wing. And you can often, a, a lot of fe- folks that go there say they can often hear her yelling hello down the hallway.
0: Oh, that would creep me out.
1: And the reason they think it is her is because she was an inmate there, a patient, whatever you want to call it, and she was blind. So she didn't know when people were around. And when she was living there, she used to yell hello all day and all night to get the attention of staff and nurses. So even to this day, you can hear Hady yelling hello down the hallway, trying to get someone's attention. I'm pretty sure the
0: first time I heard that, I'd be like, "Goodbye," and I would be gone. Yeah, yeah,
1: you, you got my attention, and I'm out.
0: I'm not <laughs> staying to see what else she does.
1: Now, apparently, the only one that's really kind of really mean is is the nurse. Unless you have money, and then Roy's an issue for you too.
0: Does the nurse hurt people too, like, or does no. she
1: just torture the ghosts? No, she just tortures the ghosts, and it is just kind of. She try, she, she'd She be the one that would try to scare you. You know, the worst part of this place, this, I probably wouldn't do this. They have a basement. <laughs> don't go one. in the basement. That's rule number one. Don't, you don't go in the basement. You, this place has a basement and you don't go in the basement. Why would you That's ever? That's where bad things happen. All bad things happen in
0: the basement.
1: Well, the basement of Rolling Hills is where the psych ward and solitary confinement were.
0: Oh, proof right there. All bad things happen in the basement.
1: You know what's still there? There's iron brackets protruding out of the cement walls, which they believe were used to shackle the unruly people to.
0: Oh, probably the people that are like, you know, um, hi, I've sobered up now and I kind of just want to go home. And they're like, nope, fuck you. Shackled in the basement.
1: And this is the sad thing. People with Alzheimer's, epilepsy, Tourette's, Asperger's. If you were an unruly wife, you were put in this place. And if you were not toeing the line, your ass was chained to a wall. Do you know back then if a man couldn't control his wife, he'd say, I'm going to lock you up. And he probably meant it. There was an additional basement room. What do you think was in it? Guess what it was. Probably an embalming room. A. The morgue.
0: Oh, I was right. It is an embalming room.
1: Gross. Um, Apparently there's still an embalming table and two large refrigerators still there. Why would you leave that there? It's probably full of creepy, gross things. Cause they probably abandoned it. And then we're like, fuck it. We're taking this shit with us.
0: That stuff is probably haunted. Like some of that old stuff holds energies and shit. Like the walls, like you said, the walls are oppressive. Like I imagine the tables, the refrigerator, ew, 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 ew. It probably holds echoes of all the nasty. Oh no, nope, 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 nope. I, no, I think I'm done now.
1: Um, I just wanted to add that, you know, there are a lot of theories about, different ghosts and different hauntings there. But I think that the key thing with, with rolling Hills is that a lot of these people went in there thinking they could get out and they thought, you know, maybe it was a poor person and they thought, you know, I can kind of get my life together and then get out and go relive my life. Or like some of these children, they thought, you know, mommy and daddy died or as Roy, the giant, you know, my parents abandoned me here. I think a lot of these people thought when they hit that adult age, okay, I'm 18, I can leave now and go live my life. And that wasn't the case. These people didn't have the option, you know, the, the ones that went in as children, they didn't have the option to leave when they were 18. You know, the people that went in as, as habitual drinkers, they didn't have the option to leave once they became sober. These are the people that will never leave Rolling Hills Asylum kind of that attitude. You're going to force me to stay here and never let me leave. Okay. I'm going to stay here and I'm never going to leave.
0: I wonder if any of that led to why it became abandoned. If there was enough of a bad energy there that it was making it. So people were not getting healthy. You know, they, they couldn't in that type of environment.
1: Well, like you said, you know, it's like a sponge to negative energy, you know, so much sadness, so much negativity, so much pain, so much hurt, so much cruelty. You can't scrub that out of things. That's like imprinted in the soul of
0: the land. That's the shit that kind of stays there and lingers and, and that people can feel even, you know, decades later walking into the place.
1: And then, you know, aside from the people that maybe thought they could leave and never could or... Or thought that someone would come back for them and they never did. You know, maybe some of these wives thought my husband will be back and he never came back. Not only did they have to suffer that fate, they were buried and forgotten and desecrated. I mean, the souls of these people went through hell from birth to the spirit world. From birth to death doesn't even encompass it for some of these people. Some of these people were being tortured after death.
0: Yeah, by that crazy head nurse lady.
1: Well, that crazy head nurse lady is still there, but you know, Roy is on it. Roy is going to keep everybody safe. Thank you, Roy. I'm telling you, if I can ever get you to go to this place with me, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to walk in that place and we are going to praise Roy like it's our job. Okay. (laughs) Well, as long as he doesn't think that pot
0: snobs are worthy of getting strangled, then I think we'll be okay.
1: I will learn how to sing opera music just to get that guy to have our backs in that place.
0: Yeah. I've got a phone. My Spotify playlist has opera. I'm sure I could find some.
1: And if I hear, if I hear that old lady, Haiti saying hello, I'm just going to yell hello back.
0: Yeah. That's probably all she wants is she just wants somebody to talk to Really?
1: As with any place, and especially in asylum, I think these people just want to be heard. They want someone to recognize them, to validate their life, because they were not validated when they lived there.
0: You know, they they probably just want someone to acknowledge what was done to them.
1: Or maybe I'm just really, really stoned and taking it a little (laughs) too deep. Well, what are you smoking tonight anyways? So tonight, I've kind of switched it up a little bit. I've got this great stuff called white wedding. There's like wedding cake. I've had wedding wedding. cake. I love wedding Um, cake. There's wedding bomb. I've come to learn if it says wedding, it's good stuff. Good stuff. It's a very relaxed high. It's not as brainy. It's more melty. Melty is nice. And, you know, I I, kind of like to switch it up. Sometimes I kind of like that zoom brainy. I'm going to focus. I'm going to get a lot of stuff done. And other times I just want to melt. That always sounds
0: nice. Some, sometimes, you know, you, you don't want to, uh, you want to just relax and you just kind of yeah. chill out. Hear some spooky stories and, and just be, you know, what are you smoking tonight? This evening? I am smoking some blueberry Jack hair. Ooh, I love both of those. And together, this is an auto flower, blueberry Jack hair. I'm smoking bowl after bowl after bowl of it. So I'm, Definitely doing good this evening.
1: Let me ask you this. Does it have a hint of blueberry taste to it? It does. It has a very
0: fruity aroma. It's got a really nice, clean taste to it. And the the flowers are a little bit they're darker. I wouldn't say that it's purple, but the stems are kind of like a dark reddish purple. And some of the flower itself has like a dark, real dark reddish purple tint to it, but it's very sweet tasting. It has a really smooth smoke. I like it a lot. It's also kind of a, I'd say it's a good mix. It's a good mix of of an up high and kind of a melty high.
1: First of all, I want to be one of these people who just sits in a room and smokes a bunch of weed and comes up with names because that would be the greatest job you know where do they come up with some of these names you know when I hear some of these names you know like grape diamond I'm like ooh, and then I'm thinking to myself it's going to taste grapey no I feel like sometimes the only thing that is true to name are citruses Like super lemon haze, lemon OG. Like if it says lemon, you're going to have that lemony citrus. Anything else, they lie. Cotton candy kush don't taste like cotton candy, people.
0: I mean, how many times have you had a blueberry that tasted different from another blueberry? Right. We're constantly chasing Jack Harrow for that perfect Jack Harrow that we had that one time.
1: But you're right. Whether it's homegrown or store-bought, it's almost like there's no consistency. Exactly.
0: It's a crapshoot what you're going to get. I really don't think that there's any kind of consistency being had. People are trying. I mean, I'm not trying to knock growers. A lot of the good ones are really trying very hard. I think it'll just get better as time goes on.
1: Well, I'd still like to be one of those people who just sits in a room, smokes a bunch of weed and starts naming stuff.
0: Yeah, that would be the job, wouldn't it? Well, we just yeah. sit in a room, smoke a bunch of weed and tell scary stories. What scary story do you have? <laughs> well, actually, this time I'm going to tell you another California story. I'm going to kind of keep it close to home. This is a place that I really hope to take you guys to when you come and visit me. So when you come and visit in a couple months, we are going because it's really not that far away. They actually have paranormal investigations on here. And it is it's a ship that has been Time magazine listed as one of the top 10 most haunted places on Earth. The R- oh, wow. Yeah. Can you believe it? Oh, you're, you're pulling me in already? There you go. It's the RMS Queen Mary. It's a ship that's permanently docked in Long Beach. Now, isn't that a British ship? It was, it was originally a luxury liner back in the late thirties, early forties. It was a luxury liner that took people from New York to
1: what is it? So haunt is it so haunted that the queen don't want it back? It was no like, no, that's-, <laughs> yeah, that's haunted. You Americans keep it
0: kind of well, it has a history, so it was a luxury liner for a while and it it carried people like Bob Hope, Elizabeth Taylor, Walt Disney, Clark Gable, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. I mean, so like rich celebrity kind of people, it carried a lot of li- rich celebrities. It was considered, oh, wow, yeah, it was considered one of the, the biggest luxury liners of its time. The Disney cruises of the 1930s, kind of maybe that's where Disney got his got an idea, or I don't know, <laughs> but he did sail on it at one point. She was uh, faster and bigger than the Titanic, which sa- had sank decades before this even sailed. But it was huge and beautiful. But this ship not only had it been a luxury liner, but then once World War II started, it was stripped of everything and retrofitted to be a troop transport. And this is where some of the, the ghost stories begin. It was actually called the Grey Ghost.
1: Oh, wow. Why,
0: why was it called... It was called the gray ghost because it was, again, picture the Titanic and then picture a boat that's even bigger, but kind of looks similar to it with the big smokestacks. And once it was stripped, it was painted dull. Everything was painted gray. So, like was, a warship? Like, like exactly like a warship. So, gray so that it was harder to be seen. And, and it was nicknamed the gray ghost, which maybe that was, you know, foreshadowing of what would happen. Because right now, there's reportedly 150 to as many as 600 known ghosts on this ship. Wow.
1: Oh, were- wow, that's yeah. a lot.
0: One of the reasons that it might be so haunted is during World War II, it was, it was the site of a huge tragedy, a huge crash. The Queen Mary was being escorted from New York State to Glasgow by a smaller ship, the HMS Curacao. And the HMS Curacao was doing like a zigzag pattern in front of the Queen Mary in order to confuse the enemy gunners. However, they did not account for the fact that the Queen Mary was very fast for being such a large ship. And in the middle of one of these zigzags, she crashed right into the Curacao and split her in two. Of the 430 people that
1: were on the Curacao, only 99 survived. So they meant to kind of protect it and keep it shielded and it ended up just kind of running them over?
0: Exactly, they were trying. The Curacao was trying to guide the Queen Mary to Glasgow, and instead, they rammed into this ship, and hundreds of of people died in the freezing waters with sharks. They say that the Queen Mary couldn't stop because of their orders, and they had to call in to another ship that these people had gone overboard. And in the meantime, rumor has it that. Some of them were getting chopped up in the propeller of the Queen Mary as they plowed through. That's horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And by hours later, when the other ships were able to get there and they were only able to pull 99 people from the water, they say that you can still hear the screams of those people as they died when you're in the bow of the ship.
1: That's horrible. Wow. It, Is that kind of how those 99 souls attach themselves to that particular, because that was kind of what? Brought them to their demise?
0: That's what they think. Those nine, There were 99 people that lived. There was almost, let's see, 430 minus 99. Yeah, there was 330 people-ish that died. They do say that that if you're in the hull of the ship that you can hear grinding metal and the screams of, of men.
1: But did they keep using the ship after that?
0: They did continue to use the ship. It, it actually... Uh, became quite famous during World War II for all the missions that it performed. It transported prisoners of war. There were German prisoners of war up front that, that died. They do not have a record. Well, they do have a record, but it's sealed of the number of people that died on that ship. They, it was also acted as a hospital during World War II. So there's so many people that were wounded and died on that ship that are unrecorded. There are 49 recorded deaths on the ship itself. So the records are still sealed all these years later? The military records are still sealed, so they they won't talk about what happened there. At the end of the war, the ship did what was called a wives and babies trip. And what that is, is like all the overseas men who married women from other countries and had children with them, they needed to get these women and children back to the States. And so they did three trips and carried over 22,000 women and children uh, back to the U.S., Uh, And and again, it's undocumented how many people during that time died. There is a baby that can be heard crying in the infirmary, and it's rumored that it was a, a baby boy that had been born during one of the crossings that died shortly after birth. And you can still hear him crying in the infirmary area.
1: Twenty-two thousand. Wow, we had a lot of horny servicemen in World War II. We really did. The ship—they
0: have pictures of the ship on the on the deck, the front deck of the ship during one of these crossings, and it's covered with diapers on like clothing lines. But oh, wow, yeah. The ship is home to even more tragedies. I mean, there's some stories of one of the captains having a stroke in his cabin and you can still smell his cigars in that area. The captain's cabin was a site of yet another death where a a second mate, I believe, he was told by the captain, you know, hey, you did a great job. Go to my cabin and you can have a shot of gin. Go make yourself a drink. And so the guy went into the captain's cabin and made himself a drink. And shortly thereafter started feeling very strange and then died three days later after being violently ill. Turned out he had drank cleaning fluid that had been stored in a gin bottle in the captain's cabin.
1: Did he kill him on purpose? That's what I'm saying. I don't
0: know. There's no proof that he did. No one says anything about that. But yeah. Don't drink
1: my gin, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So what I, what I find interesting about what you've said so far is the fact that no matter how much tragedies happen with this boat, they keep on using it.
0: They kept on using it. That that also happened in the 40s. And again, in the 40s, a crewman down in the boiler room, that's one of the other hot spots, is the boiler room of this ship. And they actually have a door 13 to the boiler room. Why would you- You're take, asking for trouble with right? a door 13. Hotels know better than to have a 13th floor. Why would you have a 13th door in a boiler room? In 1942, a crew member named John McKenzie, this is one of the documented deaths, was crushed by door 13. And the rumor is, is that he was held there as the door shut by his crewmates because they didn't like him. Another crew member was crushed there during a routine fire drill in 1966, 18-year-old John Petter. uh, He was a a fireman down there. They were having a fire drill. And as 18-year-olds are wont to do, as the door is being shut, he and his friends decided to play chicken with the door. And he didn't make it. He was crushed in half, and you can still see him. He's one of the ghosts that people often see walking down the corridors, carrying a wrench, wearing blue or white overalls, and he often leaves greasy handprints on the door. Um, Please
1: tell me you see his whole body and not just half of it. <laughs> you do. You do see okay. his whole body. They
0: they call him Half Hatch Harry. So I imagine some people occasionally see him.
1: Seeing a ghost is bad enough, but I don't want to see one cut in half. You don't want to see half a ghost. No.
0: There's another person who died in engine room 13. This was a young man named John Henry and John Henry had lied Stay away from engine room 13. Do Why? not go near engine room 13. Again, as, as superstitious as people on ships are, I am so surprised that they had anything with a number 13, but this young man was underage and he had lied about his age to get in service. And he was a
1: lot of people did that back then. A lot of people did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was very patriotic. It was the thing to do. This unfortunate young man was in engine room 13 when it caught on fire and he was unable to escape and you can still smell fire and uh, hear his screams. One of the doors will actually be hot to the touch when you can hear poor John Henry.
1: Is, Is most of the paranormal activity then kind of segregated to that lower level of the boat, like the boiler room and, and, and all of that? Is it kind of just in the lower portion?
0: Oh, no, actually, it's all over the ship. In, in the pool area, there was a first class and a second class pool area. And those are both extremely haunted as well. There are no reports that I could find of documented deaths. But again, during those mothers and babies trips, who knows how many kids passed away, but there were, there's a young girl in the pool that they called Jackie. Her full name was Jacqueline Tor and she was 5 or 6 and she drowned in the second class pool area. And it seems like that's a documented death, but I couldn't really find any specific information. People will hear even though those pools are no longer pools. One of them is a one of them is a lounge and I think one of them is a theater, but people can still hear water splashing and hear a little girl laughing and she'll respond to questions. And sometimes they'll see a little girl walking around with her teddy bear looking for her mother. There's another young woman. Her name is Sarah. And she, I believe is also a documented death. She was murdered in the first class women's changing rooms and her killer was never found. And you can see her wet footprints walking from what was the pool into what was the women's changing room. There's an eyewitness account from the maintenance supervisor, Kathy Love. She and a coworker were there one night in the in what had been the pool area. And they not only heard a little girl giggling and the sounds of a little girl running around, they heard water splashing. And then later they saw the wet footprints appear going from what had been the pool to the women's locker room area. Holy shit. Right, where poor young Sarah had been strangled to death and her murderer never found.
1: Imagine being a third shift maintenance worker and you walk around and all of a sudden these watery footprints are appearing out of nowhere. There's another area
0: The whole, I don't know if it's called a floor, but this is also a hotel. You can go and stay there. There's hotel rooms in what used to be the uh, first, second, and third class lounge or um, cabin areas areas for the passengers. And they've all been retrofitted. And one of the rooms, room B340, is reported to be the most haunted and was actually closed down because it was so haunted at one point. Why? What happened in 340? Well, at one time, room B340 was actually three separate rooms. The B deck once contained third-class cabins. Room B340 was originally three third-class state rooms. I believe it was B222, B224, and B226. There was a young woman named Dana that was staying there with her family. One night, poor Dana awoke to find her mother, and her younger sister strangled to death in their bed. And she ran, oh, to the, she ran to the bathroom only to find her father there who had committed the crime, who shot her to death in the bathroom. The man was discovered very shortly afterwards. They found his crimes and they discovered that he had killed his family. And they took him out of the room and locked him up in the second suite the family had right next door. While he was locked there, they put a guard on the room and the guard reported that The man shortly after being locked in started screaming and crying and wanting to be left out and saying, they're trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me. And of course the guard just thought he was being an asshole and wanting to get out because obviously there's no one else in this little teeny tiny third class room. Gradually, the man was quiet and the guard was happy that he'd finally fallen asleep. The next morning when they came to dock and the police got on, they opened the door to the room to find that the man had been dismembered and disemboweled and there was blood all over the room. Wait, who got in the room? No one else had gotten in the room. And it wasn't the guard. It was not the guard. As far as they could tell, no one else got there, and so Dana, st- her ghost, still roams around in the pool room and on those rooms. Now, they very shortly after cleaning up that room and setting sail again, reports of paranormal activity such as sh- blankets being pulled off of people, lights turning on and off, water turning on and off, started happening immediately. So much so that they were having trouble getting people to stay in those rooms. So they so decided Dana's
1: pretty active. Dana's if- an active ghost.
0: Well, they they think that there's more ghosts there as well. So they, they turned that into one suite and people were staying in it up until the eighties when they finally decided that that was too much. They couldn't handle it anymore. There were too many maids wouldn't go in there. So they boarded it up and they stopped renting the room out until 2018. When that, Let's go. You can you can rent it out now. Let's go. It was I don't know what it is now, but it was $500. You can rent it out. The room has you can find it there's YouTube videos where people have stayed there. They have like the Bloody Mary incantation next to the mirror in the bathroom. There's quotes from people on the walls of different experiences that they've had there. They have a whole chest of crystal ball, a Ouija board, and uh, ghost hunting equipment that comes with the room that you can use. A Ouija board? Why? Okay. You know, everything goes back to Ouija boards. Everything goes back to Ouija boards. Honestly, though, I think though, if we were any, any of the rooms on the B deck are are hotbeds of paranormal activity. There's so many things that happen there and everywhere on this ship There's actually photographic evidence of some of the ghosts. One of them is called the white lady that people often report seeing in one of the ballrooms. You'll see a young woman dressed all in white, dancing by herself in the corner. Sometimes she'll go over towards a piano, but she always disappears as you get closer to her.
1: What I find interesting about about a lot of these places, whether it's an asylum or or a ship or a house, doesn't it appear, though, that a lot of these places that there may be certain spots that are more active than others, but if a house is haunted, the whole house is haunted. If a ship is haunted, the whole ship is haunted. Like I'd go and stay on the A deck, knowing that I'd probably have just as much of a paranormal experience as if I was on the B deck. Well, unless I was in the murder suite.
0: <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. I mean, there are ghosts everywhere. Even the old, what did you call the old kitchen on a the galley? Was it a galley in a ship? I think the
1: galley, yeah.
0: So in the galley was even the site of a brutal murder. And this time, again, during World War II, they had picked up a crew. They said it was Australian soldiers, but I don't know, maybe they were just trying to blame it on the Australians. But supposedly one of the cooks there was a very abusive man, not a very good cook at all. These soldiers who were helping him out decided that they had had enough of his abuse and his shitty food. And so they shoved him into his own oven and burned him alive.
1: Oh, that's all Hansel and Gretel, man.
0: Yeah, so you can still hear his screams and smell
1: burning flesh in the galley and you got to figure even because of the long journeys these types of ships made and in the time frame they took them you're also going to have the people who just died of natural causes and were just caught between worlds because you know how ghosts are if they die unexpectedly they're all confused and shit and stay there are
0: 49 documented deaths that happened on the ship and anytime anything like that happens it's bound to leave an imprint but then there's all the hundreds of deaths that happened from the Curacao the accident and other deaths that had to have happened during its time as a warship when it was. Trans- there's
1: got to be undocumented deaths between when it was carrying the women and the children to the wartime stuff. There's got to be undocumented deaths.
0: Everyone that goes there has experiences. It's interesting to see some of the different investigations people have done because it, you get the auditory sensations. I'm not as familiar with some of the ghost hunting paraphernalia as you might be, but they use things that sense. Like
1: an EMF reader. Yes.
0: They use those yeah. and, and things that can sense changes in temperature and mood sensing. Yep. Yep. So I guess some of that comes with the run one room, but who's to say we couldn't bring our own.
1: I don't know. I'm one of those people like the equipment, I guess is cool, but first of all, a lot of ghost experiences are going to make your equipment shut off. I don't want to see it on a screen. I want my hair standing up on the back of my neck. I want to smell that fire. I want to hear that pool water slushing and hear that giggle down the hall knowing I'm the only one there. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I don't want to just see it on a screen.
0: You were talking about the the long hallways and the the creepy looking place. I mean, just going there, the whole presence of the place feels Very scary and very haunted, and very heavy with the weight of history.
1: So if you can stay there, are there staff that are on this boat 24 seven? And if so, are they experiencing things?
0: There is a caretaker that stays there right now during COVID. He's the only one that stays there. He stays there five days a week by himself. And that's some freaky shit. He has a cute little dog. You know, he says he says it's haunted and he'll take he takes people through the rooms and can describe what's what's happened. Even the ship's log. Before, you know, before it became a stationary place, the ship's long, detailed, haunted places.
1: How long has it been stationary? When did it get technically like taken out of use or, or however they call it?
0: All right. So after World War II, it went back to being a luxury liner again, but it, it, it didn't last. It stopped making money after a while because air travel became so much better and other ocean liners at that point had so much better accommodations. I mean, this one was just too old and too out of touch.
1: Well, things were changing at that point with technology and transportation. So why would it, why would you hop on a boat and take two weeks to get from England to New York when you could get on a plane and do it at that point?
0: Right. Plus plane travel now is so much cheaper and so much more accessible to people. So that's absolutely what they did. They decided to sell it. And the city of Long Beach, California bought it for $3.45 million in 1967, October 31st of 1967. It, if that ain't an omen. That's when she departed on her final cruise and arrived in Long Beach on December 9th, 1967. And that's where it is currently permanently docked. So
1: and you, the city of Long Beach owns it?
0: Well, actually, it's changed hands quite a few times and was even owned at one point by Disney. And I do have to point that out. He went on the boat and then he owned it. Well, kind of. In the 70s and 80s, it looks like what had happened is someone Disney related bought it. And they were going to do, I think it was Port Disney, Maritime Disney. I'm not positive. But it's rumored that that room, B340, was rigged up kind of like the haunted mansion. I mean, the the ghost stories and the rumors had already been there, but it's rumored that they had rigged that room up to actually be fake haunted, to kind of scare people. Even after it was, you know, they kind of scrapped that idea and sold the ship and took all of those fake ghost props down, people's fuzzy memories of being there as children may have kind of embellished some of these ghost stories about room B340.
1: That kind of reminds me of, of my story on Rolling Hills Asylum. People go there, and if they go there with good intentions, they have one experience. And if you go there to almost mock it or monopolize off of it, it doesn't turn out.
0: I'm sure there's people that go there, have absolutely zero experience, and just don't talk about it. But everyone that goes there hears weird noises. They hear screams. They hear giggling. They hear footsteps. They feel someone the whole atmosphere the whole place scared everyone
1: but yet they just kept using it
0: they kept going and, and and people keep going they keep but they keep having these experiences that's why it's one of the top 10 most haunted places
1: now let me ask you this have you had the opportunity to actually go there yourself yet Not yet. I'm going to wait and save it
0: for us to go together. We're going. We're going. We can go and we're going to find some ghosts. We're going to catch some ghosts and we're going to show everybody what we find. We'll have to count how many ghosts we get. Like psychics have been there and have talked, like I said, 150 up to as many as 600 ghosts.
1: If you want me to sit there and connect with 600 ghosts, I can't just be there for like two hours. We're gonna have to like <laughs> no, we're going to
0: stay. We could, we could go on a ghost tour or we could maybe book a room and stay in a room.
1: Let me tell you, I'm down for booking a room. I, ju- I just want that ghostly experience. I love it. Then let's try. Hopefully they'll be open and we can book a room on the B deck. Excellent. I wonder if any of these spirits smoke weed. Do you think they do? They've got to. I mean, some of them were sailors, right? They smoke weed. George Washington smoked weed. Smoked (laughs) his peace pipe. As American as smoking pot. Exactly. Exactly. Hold on. Bong puff time. I'm way ahead of you. (sighs) I mean, this sounds like Titanic type stuff. Like I am intrigued. I'm not even scared. I am like excited to go here. As a matter of fact, I want to go.
0: Oh, I want to go too. I think there's so many ghosts. One of them they call the growling ghost. And he's one of the, the more popular, I guess, ghosts. Everybody has an experience with the growling ghost. Supposedly, there's a a stair, a staircase near the first, what was the first class swimming pool. And that's kind of where he stays and he growls at people. And there's recordings you can find online of him of the growling ghost. Unlike Henry, the young boy who died in a fire in the engine room, Henry actually will respond to questions about beer. Apparently young underage Henry liked beer. Beer. A lot of these ghosts will respond if you ask them questions and like you ask a question then later you play it back and you can hear.
1: EVP. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's EVP.
0: I think EVP stands for electronic voice phenomena. I love that shit. They have some sort of machine and it seems like bullshit to me, but they have some sort of machine that like translates ghost talk and yeah, and says it out loud. I don't know if that's just programmed to have words come out of it randomly or if that's really a thing,
1: you know, I don't trust technology when it comes to ghosts. Yeah. I mean, I could go into, I could do a whole podcast on why I don't trust technology with ghosts. I'd rather that psychic knowing that instant feeling, I guess that personal experience because technology is whack and you can't trust it. You can't trust technology and you can rig technology to kind of alter results.
0: Well, you can have really charismatic people who sound like they know what they're talking and they're just really spewing bullshit. So I think I kind of like both. I like I, I do like when I can see that the temperature has changed in this spot or there was motion here where there should be no motion. Or I'll admit I'm a sucker for orb photos. I totally
1: know I do like orb, orb photos. photos.
0: I mean, I know there's explanations for them. I don't want to hear it. I like them. And I also do kind of like the whole EVP voice recording in the static thing. That's interesting to me. I, I don't know if that's fully.
1: Like a legit. I look at it. I look at it saying? I try to look at those things as more of a affirmation of what I'm feeling. I feel something here, there's something here, and now I have something to validate what I'm feeling. More validation than having it be like, well, it says that there's something here, so there must be. If I feel it and then see it there, that's validating for me. I think that's why it's important to me to kind of have both because
0: you know i do I do very much trust my intuition intuition, otherworldly senses. You know, when you walk into a space and and the hair on your arm stands up, or you know, you immediately can feel that presence. And when everyone's feeling the same thing, you know, you kind of get that validation. And so when your when your little meter goes off at the same time that your intuition goes off, like you said, that it's can be validating for sure. It's very validating. It's like, you know, I, I don't know what this is, but something just happened and it's kind of freaking me out.
1: Now, I have used an EVP and I've also used the uh, heat sensor machine. I kind of liked it when I would get a sense, I'd get a feeling, I'd see something and then it would pop up on the EVP. Or the one time I did see a full body uh, figure on the heat sensor, I felt like I saw it first. I walked into a room and felt like I was being stared at. Yeah, you kind of used the heat sensor thing and actually saw an outline when there was nobody there to the naked eye that validated that for me but if i didn't have that heat sensor i still would have walked out of there saying yeah there was someone there and i saw him it just validated what i already knew
0: right you didn't need it it's just no. that it was nice to to have both of those pieces of evidence
1: right but i feel like i had the same exact experience e- I would have had the same experience even if I didn't have the equipment. The equipment just validated what I was already feeling.
0: And that's what happens over and over again on the Queen Mary is they've done so many investigations. Sensitives and psychics have gone there. They've done seances and, you know, Ouija boards and paranormal investigations. And people have just gone there to visit and have fun and had a paranormal experience for the first time in their lives.
1: You know, since all... We, we've had a, a bunch of our, our podcast stories so far, somehow, someway tie back to a Ouija board. <laughs> a day Ouija but, you know, I don't think the Queen Mary is a place you want to be taking a Ouija board, okay? Everything, every Wiccan and pagan and, and witchy, witchcrafty sense in me says, do not ever board that ship with a Ouija board.
0: It sounds like the ship is already a hotbed of activity that's You just have to walk through it in order to feel it. You don't need to be antagonizing anything or calling anything. It's already there. You just have to walk into these places and you can hear it and feel it. And ghosts here are so prolific that you don't need any extra anything.
1: Well, let me tell you, my friend, when I am in sunny California in about two, two and a half months, we are going to the Queen Mary. Yes, yes. And we probably can't smoke
0: there. So I'm going to bring a lot of edibles. I mean, it is California, but it's still a hotel. So it's going to have to be like, eat this brownie. And in an hour, we're going to we're gonna go tour the ship.
1: I'm intrigued.
0: We're going. We're going to stay. We'll stay overnight and we will see if we can find some spirits.
1: Absolutely. So the <laughs> Queen Mary, Newport Beach, California. Long Beach. Long Beach, Long Beach, Long Beach, Queen Mary in Long Beach. Yep. I'll remember that Snoop Dogg sang about
0: Long Beach. Yeah, so <laughs> did uh, Sublime. And then there's also the Long Beach dub all stars. Who doesn't love them? That's all for episode three of the Stoned Witches Hour. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow and maybe a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week as I take you inside the haunted hotel that Jim Carrey refuses to go back to or even talk about. And Shell will explore the mysterious legend of Sleepy Hollow. See you on Wednesday at 4.20 a.m. Until next time, stay stony. I'm not using that either. (laughs) Stay stony? I don't know. We need a catchphrase. Come on. (laughs)
1: Stay high, bitches. Stay (laughs) high,
0: bitches. (laughs) It's better than stay stony.